Amen. Okay, so we are in Psalm 92. Uh, it's a it's a it's a short it's a shorter psalm, and my plan is to leave some room, sort of, at the end for us to give some time of of thanksgiving. Uh, so with that, let's let's pray, and then we'll look at Psalm 92. Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you uh, for your word, uh, Lord. As we enter into Psalm 92, as we look at three psalms over the next three weeks, Father, I pray that you would bless our time in them. Lord, that you would help us to see, Lord, what we're doing here uh, at church and what, how does Thanksgiving play a role in our lives or how should it play a role in our lives. We pray, Father, that you would encourage us uh, today. I pray that you would help us to keep our eyes on you. I pray that you would help us to see things in our life that we have to be grateful for. There really is so much. And as we look around and see areas that we can thank you for it really does change our whole disposition. And so we pray, Father, that you would help us uh, to, to zoom out in our lives and to look at all that you've done for us, that we would look into your, uh, your heart, your eyes, and to see your goodness, and to know that we indeed, regardless of what we're going through, that we can be a people who give you thanks in all things. And it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen. All right, so Psalm 92, starting at the heading, which is important. Okay. A psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. With the ten-string loop and with the harp, with resounding music upon the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the work of works of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man has no knowledge, nor does a stupid man understand this, that when the wicked sprouted up like grass and all who did iniquity flourished, it was only that they might be destroyed forevermore. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies will perish. All who do iniquity will be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil, and my eyes have looked exultantly upon my foes. My ears hear of the evildoers who rise up against me. The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. To declare that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. And Father, we do thank you again for this day. We thank you for your word. We ask that you would bless our time now, and it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen. Okay, so when I read through the Bible Throughout the Bible, there's just these interjections that we who are God's children, those of us who follow Christ, we are instructed to be a grateful people. Uh, Paul writes, you know, these, these commands, just give thanks always, that these imperatives throughout. Um, I wish there was more uh, instruction, like a whole chapter devoted to like, how do we become a thankful people? It seems to be that it's something that is supposed to naturally develop in our relationship with Christ. And so uh, the Psalms have so much sort of embedded 
in them about gratitude or about thanksgiving along with other things. And so that's just, you know, I, I, I more uh, take, you know, a book of the Bible at a time and kind of work through it. The Psalms are not a, it's not a, it's not necessarily a book to be read from uh, chapter one, verse one, all the way through to the end. It's a, it's a collection of songs that the, the Jewish people sang and read throughout their calendar. And so when we come to this particular psalm, we're told at the very beginning at the title of it, it's a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. <clears throat> and so this is a psalm that every single week when they gathered, they would work their way through or sing this song uh, together. And so I think as they opened up with this psalm, we're taking today to sort of read through and to study this psalm, but they would have gone through it. It would have sort of uh, like the chiropractor adjusting your back to get it straight, it kind of like gets our spirits right with God and in an alignment. And I think that this is good for us to do. And I think it'll be good for us to take the next three weeks sort of focusing on gratitude. And so we look at the first few verses here and we read, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night with the ten-string lute, and with the harp, and with a resounding music upon the lyre. And so the very first thing that we read, these three words, it is good. And so something is good, and he's about to explain what it is that it's good. What is it good to do? What are the things that we're supposed to be doing as a people as we gather weekly? Um, He says, it is good, number one, to give thanks to the Lord. Like the first thing out of the gate. Oh, Well, that's like a new one. Is that an alarm? Are we? No, it's okay. It's happened to all of us. I remember my. (laughs) We good? Is it okay? We're good. It's okay. (laughs) She's so shy. It's okay. (laughs) Just it was my cell phone. She's holding on to my cell phone. So thank you for like. (laughs) It's like a. Now I just lied in front of you all like that. Okay, but it's good to give thanks. Like we can we can give thanks. I'm thankful that we have cell phones with emergency alerts. Like this is a, this is a, a good thing. Like so, the very first thing that, that the psalmist writes, it's good to be a grateful people. It's good to give thanks to God. That this should be something that's built into the rhythm of our life. He says, "It is good to sing praises to your name, O Most High." And so, there's something about singing that we are to actually like articulate praise and adoration to our Creator. He goes on to say that as we're singing our praises, that we're declaring his loving kindness. And this word loving kindness in the Hebrews is this beautiful, beautiful word. There's something about it that that it's kind of like God's love, his patience, his gentleness with us. It's the goodness of God and just that we can declare that he is a good God and that he loves us, he's patient with us. There aren't really words to convey the depth of this because it's something that describes God and one of his attributes. And then we're told to declare, it is good to declare your faithfulness. So we declare, we wake up in the morning, we start our day, and it's his loving kindness to, as, we, as we wake up, as we begin to head out and take on the challenges, to remind ourselves that no matter what we're about to face, to know that behind whatever we're faced, there is a good, loving kind God that is working on our behalf. And so if we have difficulties, we can trust that whatever we're about to face, 
God is behind it. And then we come to the evening to declare your faithfulness, sort of like at the, at the bookends of your day when you wake up, we begin reminding ourselves of the goodness of God. We go to bed reminding ourselves of the faithfulness of God, that he is trustworthy, he is reliable, we can count on him. And then how do we do, how do, we do this? Well, we do this with the lute. We do this with the harp. We do this with the lyre or the guitar, the drums, the bass, the other instruments that I don't know how to play. But I'm, I'm super thankful for those that, that, that do know how to use these things. Like, we are told that music is to be used for God's glory. And so when we gather here, singing isn't just like, oh, we're having a little mini concert just to kind of get us in a good mood. Like, God tells us that we're to worship him through the use of music. And he's gifted people to, to utilize these gifts. And I'm so thankful that we are so blessed with so many people that have musical talent and use it. If you were to back up the tape 16 years ago when it was like, like Anna's not here, but there were a couple Sundays when I led the song and it was, <laughs> let's just say God answered the prayers of the saints in the congregation. Uh, that, that some different talent would show up. Uh, when I read this, this idea of giving thanks to the Lord, singing your praises, and he just sort of lists all of these, added, these, these, these instruments that we're supposed to utilize in the singing to God, it reminds me of Psalm 50. So the very last Psalm in the Psalms, it ends with this, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty expanse, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness, praise him with trumpet sound, praise him with harp and lyre, praise him with timbrel and dancing and dancing and that's uh, no thank you for me, but I praise him with stringed instruments and pipe, praise him with loud cymbals, praise him with resounding cymbals. Again, I didn't just repeat the same line over again. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Like this is, it conveys that with everything that we have, we are to be worshiping and praising him and giving him thanks. This is in the good times, in the difficult times, in in the trials that we face, in the joys that we face. And as a congregation, we go through all of these at the same times. And God has created us, us very complexly. Like we are complex creatures. We have the capacity to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, to be sorrowful with those who are sorrowful, and then to put legs to these emotions. And I, I love being a part of this body where I'm like hearing about breaking news from you guys. Like, hey, this is happening. We're on the meals. We have this going down. I'm not like pulling the strings behind the curtain. It is the body of Christ being the body of Christ. And it's beautiful because you each have encountered God. God is in your heart. And then you are responding as God leads you. It's beautiful. I remember just sort of thinking back in my own spiritual journey. I was raised kind of in the Catholic church. I did not like the music time. My dad didn't like the Catholic time, the singing time. And so they had an option where you could go to the time where there was music and the time when there wasn't music. And we went to the, the downside was the time without music was earlier. But we went to the time this earlier because it was, I liked it because it was shorter and I could get in and out really fast. And, and, uh, but then suddenly I encountered Christ. And something changed within me. And I sing. And it's hilarious because there's times when Ann, I'll get home and Ann will be like, 
I think Robert forgot to mute your microphone because I could hear you singing in the back. And it wasn't a compliment. I'm like, no, no, no. I was muted. I was totally muted, but that was just me belting it out. You know, I think it's like, I think the Bible verse says, make a joyful racket to the, like, and I can do that. And so as I fell in love with God, my desire to sing and to worship, like, I'm not a guy who, you're not going to catch me walking through my house, whistling a tune or singing a little, like, I'm not humming in the shower or singing the, like, I'm not doing any of that. But when I come here and music begins and we begin worshiping, I just want to worship my creator. And there are times when I'm so caught up in emotion and thanksgiving that I can't get the words out because I'm, I'm like just choked up. And so music is a powerful thing. It should lead us to gratitude. Music should lead us to worship. And music is supposed to be a part of what we do here. And one of the things that I'm like deeply grateful for during the season of COVID, when all the restrictions were coming and changing and coming and changing and altering, like week by week, that that I we had to really kind of like grapple through, like what what are we doing here? And when we sing songs, are is singing songs something that we're actually commanded to do? And there was one Sunday in particular where the governor, I think it was the 4th of July weekend or whatever, it was one of the weekends where we had 24-hour notice and it was like, hey, you can't sing. <laughs> I don't know what happened over there, but I like, <laughs> you can't hear my thoughts, can you? Like, I was like, but it was a real struggle, you know, because we're commanded to, to be in submission to the authorities. And so I'm not just sort of, and it was, there was a Sunday that it was when I try, I take away everything that I can possibly strip away from what we do and stripping away a lot of the stuff has been beautiful. But one of the things we can't strip away is singing because it's explicitly like commanded of us that when we gather, we're to, to sing, we're to study, we're to pray. He continues in verse four and he says, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the work of your hands, how great are your works. And so the first thing is I sort of peel apart these couple verses. I ask myself, what is said about God? And so the things that are said about God is that, that the Lord alone is the source of the psalmist's joy. With it, when he looks out, that, now there could be other things. You could have kids, you could have things in your life, but God is the one who provides. God is the one who gives. God is the one who takes. And joy is something that can only truly be found in our relationship with God. And the psalmist understands. He says, look at what the Lord is the source of the joy. Look at what he has done. Look at his creation. When I look around and I see his, what you've done at the works of your hands, how great are your works. And as he looks out at all of these things, he says, this is how I'm going to react. You've made me glad and I will sing for joy. This is, this is amazing. Like the work of his hands, what I focused on is creden- uh, creation. I almost merged two words, creation and redemption, credention. Uh, yeah, but, but really, when I look at creation, I'm overwhelmed. When I, like Psalm 19, for your heavens, de- the heavens declare the glory of God. 
That's why, you know, growing up in Lake Tahoe, going back there all the time, I go back there and there's something about creation that connects me with my Savior. Not, not in a, not in a, you know, God is in everything, but, but just a sort of like, man, this is just majestic. But then when I, even more so, is in the beauty of his handiwork in, in redeeming a life, transforming a life. And this was such a hard struggle for me as a new Christian. Well, as a new Christian, meaning for like the first 15 years and maybe even still today, when I consider who I was before Christ and then what God has done in my life, it's so easy for me to, to beat myself up for the life choices that I made before knowing Christ. And I, and I sort of approach the Christian world with like, oh, I feel like sort of bruised fruit and that I'm not as good as the person who, you know, got saved on their seventh day of life and then walked for it. Like, it's just that person doesn't exist. And it's overwhelming when I consider how good God has been to me. It's hard to, to understand and to receive this forgiveness. He is so incredibly good to us. The psalmist writes that he is glad when he considers God's handiwork, and I think that we should be glad also. He says that he will sing of joy in considering what God has done, and I think that we should sing as well. It's hard to hold back our praise once we understand what we're doing in the, in the not the arts, but the practice of music. For, this isn't like a concert. I told you guys they're going to happen. Like I... Whatever they, t- they, Robert comes into my office before church. I love him. He, they're always welcome to, but we always have these little like conversations because we get here like two hours early. And I looked at him like, you guys are going to get me to talk about Taylor Swift today. It's not in my notes. <laughs> it happened. It just happens. You go to a Taylor Swift concert, well, if you have the money to, and, or you can go to the movie if you're on a, like a different budget. And apparently, everybody will be, I mean, I haven't gone, I don't go. Uh, but everybody's going to be singing. And they're singing for entertainment. They're singing for just entertainment's sake, for fun's sake, for whatever's sake. That's not what's happening when we come here. When we come here and we sing, we are singing to our Creator. We are singing to our God, which is a totally different experience. We might be tapping into the same emotions because we're created. What, what I think is happening at a Taylor Swift concert, or probably most concerts, is that these people are worshiping an idol. And they're using what God has created for him. And I'm not saying that you can't go to a Taylor Swift concert and have fun and sing. Like, that's not, uh, that's not me. That's not what I'm saying. Did Larry die offend you? Like, I'm just teasing. I'm just like, I can say that to Larry because I, I, he's like, I'm going to Taylor Swift. I'm like, oh, I'm like, Larry's the guy that has the target on his back always, so it's like the... Um, but we're created to sing and to worship and to praise him. And that when, when there are these people that God raises up that can tap into this, like one of the most powerful songs in human history was written by a man who understood grace. John Newton was this horrific, evil man who is a sailor, taking slaves, not back and forth, but from one spot to another spot, and he could hear them singing, 
he was ruthless, and then he came to Christ. And he, in his story, he could hear the African people to their rhythm singing down below deck. And that rhythm kind of captured his heart. And then after he came to Christ and ended up being a huge guy working against the slave trade, penned the words and this song of amazing grace, which you can hear everywhere. And this is a man who was an utter wretch, came to Christ, discovered grace, and was totally transformed. And it's been penned that he said that all my, although my memory is fading, I can remember two things very clearly. I'm a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. Those are the two things that you should probably walk away. Like, if you can walk away with anything today, all of us. You're a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man has no knowledge, nor a stupid man understand this, that when the wicked sprouted up like grass and all who did iniquity flourished, it was only that they might be destroyed forevermore. But you, O Lord, are on high forever for beautiful your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies will perish. All who do iniquity will be scattered. And so in this section, God is being contrasted with the wicked man. God has depth. God is eternal. The wicked man might sprout up, might seem powerful, might seem successful, might seem to have achieved everything, but it's a flash in the pan, and in the end, he will face destruction. The wise man aligns himself with God. Isaiah wrote, for my thoughts, speaking of God, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I think the the warning here in this is don't be deceived by the world. There's going to be all sorts of things that pull us away, and we think that we'll be happier, wealthier, you might be wealthier, but happier and find joy and peace and contentment, but the world can't deliver, so don't be fooled by the world. The sooner that we align our thinking and our desires with God's thinking and desires, the faster we will find true peace, contentment, and ultimate joy. And when I look at this psalm, a psalm that's to be read on the, on the Sabbath, it's a, it's a reminder to me to, to prioritize what we're doing here. I'm not in church on Sundays because I'm a pastor. I'm in church on Sundays because I'm a follower of Christ. I just happen to be a pastor. This just happens to be one of the things. Now, I'm not being legalistic. Obviously, there's people who are sick today. There's times that pop up in your life. But I know that I will drift if I don't commit myself to gathering with the body of Christ. And I do think that for all of us who follow Christ, it's super important for us to be asking ourselves the question, like, what things keep me from worshiping gathering? And this isn't, this isn't like, you all are here. So like, I'm not, this is like if somebody who's listening and they're not here, like, this, is not, like, this isn't like to beat up, that's not my style is to beat up people, but I, I'm convinced that the word of God tells us that we are not to forsake 
the gathering and that we are to be in fellowship with one another. We are a body and we need one another to navigate life. And he's saying in this, God's ways are deep. God has a plan and the world has a plan. The, the world's plan might look good, but it ultimately leads to, to destruction. God's way is eternal. There's life there. There's joy there. There's peace there. And that's what we should seek after verse 10. But you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. This is, this is, this is a you've made me powerful expression. We don't talk about our horns these days. Um, you've exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. My eyes, my eye, and my eye has looked ex- exultantly upon my foes. My ears hear of the evil doers who ride up against me. And so this, this, these two verses, it's like the psalmist is not saying that he's strong and powerful and mighty and that everything's going his way. What it's saying is he recognizes eternally that with God, he's already conquered everything. And it might look bad. And the lesson here is that we can have hope beyond this life. We can have hope in the midst of whatever trial that we're going through to know that we have a sovereign God, that he has a plan, that he's working and navigating something in the midst of it, that you have no idea what he's doing in the moment. Last week, we wrapped up the life of Joseph. Joseph went through all sorts of trials. And we see at the end of the story that God was building his character and preparing him for something that there was no way that he could have seen in the moment. Then verse 12, the righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like the cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. There's no retirement when you're walking with Christ. They shall be full of sap and very green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. So again, he's Painting this picture of the righteous man, it reminds me of Psalm 1. If you were to go back to Psalm 1, I'll just do it for you. The bookends of the Psalms, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff when the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So when I read this, it says, those who know God, who are walking with him, they will find strength. They'll have sap, which means that they're, 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 there's a healthiness there. And the whole purpose of everything that they're doing is to declare that the Lord is upright, that he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. This is like one of the, I mean, I've shared, if you guys know me for like at least a little bit, and now you've just met me, um, but there, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. I love my church here, but if I was to attend like another type of church, I would be going to a black Baptist church. I love the way they interact. Like, like, if you've ever had the joy of going to a black Baptist church, 
It's so fun. And they're so light. And one of the things that I, we used to take field trips to Bayview Baptist with Dr. Winters. And when you talk to our brothers and sisters in Christ that attend that, that cultural worship, they don't just say God. They say, my God. My God will do this. My God will do that. My God. Like, and what this is saying is, my God is righteous. My God is sovereign. My God is faithful. My God is loving kindness. Is loving, well, that's he, loving, I don't know how to conjugate that to like make it, because it's a difficult word. My God is good, I guess is a good way. So like whatever I'm going through, I know that God is faithful. I might not understand anything else. I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through, but I know all of these things about my God. And in him, I can find peace. And I can have joy, and I can be thankful. So this is a psalm of the Sabbath that speaks volumes about our gathering weekly, which we're doing today. I think that this is a psalm of the Sabbath because I think that this is something that we need to remind ourselves of on a weekly, if not daily, basis. We need to sing to God, and we do that for a reason here Ultimately, we need to align our thoughts with God's thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Paul commands us in Romans 12.2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And as we renew our mind, as we give thanks, there's, there's, or there's something that just flows out of that of giving thanks. And so I got to the end. And if you guys have been around, you know that there's something that in my family that I've been forced to do because of my mother-in-law. It got passed down to my wife. We never feel like doing it, and now I make us do it at church all the time, and Melanie is armed with the microphone. So what we're going to do is we're going to take some time to play. Well, we're not actually going to play the thankful game. The thankful game is you go through the alphabet. We're not going through the alphabet. <laughs> I've hijacked the game. But I just want to end, and, and we might do this for multiple, the next three weeks, is we're commanded to give thanks to God. And so I'm going to turn off my microphone. Melanie's going to turn on that microphone. She's going to go around, and we're doing this for the people in the back and for the recording uh, for posterity that we can remember why we're thankful. So we're just the, the instruction is to give thanks to God, and it can be short and sweet, or it can be a little bit, a little bit longer. I think when I think back on my life and I think of how God's changed and transformed me over the years, I am so thankful for grace. That's the one thing that he has just given us grace. He gives it freely. We don't deserve it. He knows where we're going to be in a month. He knows where we're going to be in a year. And he just gets us ready for those points in our life. And that's what I'm thankful. I'm thankful that he knows me personally. Thankful, sorry. Thankful for this uh, church family and for for parents who um, have, are walking with the Lord that continue to pray for their children and, and not give up on them. So. Trusting me with a an open mic. <laughs> 
go like that. I'm, you know, I've, I've learned a lot about the sovereignty of God <clears throat> in the last couple of years. And um, because I used to think if I could identify that something was good, then that was a blessing. And that was from God. And if something seemed bad or painful, that, wasn't, that couldn't be from God. That was from the devil. And God was going to come and fix that. And I think very differently now, um, very differently, because he is completely sovereign. He's either in control of it all or he's not, so pick one. Uh, but what you touched on, Gunnar, uh, something that I really appreciate is that when the bad things happen, you said we're, we're supposed to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And it's just been fascinating to me that when I have been in the pit, you know, flattened by my problems, there have been people in this church who come alongside me and say, yes, that's really, that's bad. That's objectively bad, and we're going to pray for you, and I'm so sorry for what you're going through. And yet, um, just this past week, I was literally giving thanks for my problems because I see that God picked them for me. He picked my problems for me, and they're necessary for sanctification and for the advancement of um, his glory in my life. He's going to use me for his glory. He already has. And so the same per- these same people who were praying for me and saying, yes, this is bad, are the same people who are saying, it's so, it's so wonderful that he gave you the- these problems because they're exactly what you needed. Um, and I could just, I mean, I could go on for hours. <laughs> I could suck up all the tape that they've got back there <laughs> telling you how, you know, because it's so much less about the external than I would have ever thought. You know, I, I, met, I met somebody as a result of my problem, and he, he's just a friend. He's not, <laughs> okay, just to be clear, he, but he's somebody that I met within the county government as a result of my problems that I've spoken to multiple times, and I had to speak to him last week about something specific, and uh, he's a Christian, and so I was just telling him how having complete and total faith in the sovereign nature of God and that nobody can outthink him. And so if I'm seeking his will, it, what a hedge against disappointment and what a promise of peace that I'm just seeking his will. And he was saying to me, gosh, this is, you know, this is exactly what I needed to hear. And I just thought, okay, then thank you, Lord, for my problem that led me to this person that needed encouragement today. So, Anyway, I could go on, but yeah, <laughs> somebody else have a turn. Thank you. We all have so many blessings, but right now, Father God, I'm just thanking you for the youth in our church because it is going to be the generations that are coming up that are going to enable us to continue to have the freedoms that we have, and um, we just have so many not only in this church, but I was able on Friday to see lots of young people who love the Lord and are following him. And it's, that 
is the greatest blessing to know that his word is continuing through the younger people who are coming up. Okay, I'm going to start crying, just so you know. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Thank you. Going through, um, when I was starting to have my heart issues, like, I didn't know what was going on, because I'm like, I'm freaking 37, I just turned 37, this should not be happening to me. And I got really scared when I was at the ER. I'm so glad it let us not in here. But, um... I called Erica and Rich, and I was like, because we don't have family here. And the first people I thought of was my church family. And so I called Erica and Rich, and I was like, hey, can you guys go to the house if Steve has to come to the hospital? And there was no, not even a hesitation they were like, yeah, we'll be there. Just let us know what's going on. And um, I was like, okay. And um, I don't think you guys understand how in a world that is so dark, how this church shines so bright. And I've been so thankful for every single person who brought us meals, who were literally specifically praying, Gunner, when I would get text messages from people that, hey, we're praying for you. Like, I truly believe that if, um, you know, the parable of the guy who was um, crippled and his friends took him, them, him to Jesus to get healed, I knew if Jesus was around and like, I had the problem. You guys would have dragged me there. <laughs> so um, I have been extremely thankful for our church family and just the fact that my kids get to see um, what it means when people love you just genuinely, uh, like Christ-like love. And I, I not only will never be able to repay everybody, but I will be praying for Whoever and anybody who's hurting, like, it seriously impacted my family in the best way. So thank you guys for that. Uh, I'm extremely thankful for creation. I love that you brought that up. I I love the, the precision of earth and how it supports life and how immaculate and if it was off by point zero 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 one there wouldn't be life and i i'm thankful for the stars uh hanging from the vent up there uh, <laughs> but it's <laughs> but yeah creation just being able to to sit there and see the beauty of creation um i remember a moment where at Camp Julian Oaks, I was with Daniel on top of their water tower, kind of looking over everything. And there was this beautiful lightning storm over the desert in this direction and the most amazing sunset off in this direction. And I was sitting there broken. My brother's walking away from Christ. He's starting to drink. He's, uh, you know, he's in a unmarital relationship, uh, engaging in, you know, 
these these actions and just kind of thinking like I grew up alongside him in the church and he he is walking away from Christ and my dad had gone through cancer and so it was just like this just broken time in my life and I'm sitting there with tears in my eyes just with God's creation in front of me and I was able to sit there and just listen to Daniel and just have have God's creation just proving that he is in control and that everything is beautiful in his time. Okay, Gunnar, you mentioned um, uh, Black Baptist churches. We had the opportunity to attend a gospel church when we lived in D.C., and I heard you say you stripped away some things in COVID. I'm going to challenge you. Maybe, you know, one thing that we did was we danced and sang as we tithed. (laughs) <laughs> in that gospel church there's a song there's a there's dance moves that go to it and they, and they celebrated their gift so i don't know maybe not every sunday but they did it every sunday but uh <laughs> no we're just i am grateful i'm grateful that um you know, i <laughs> my my kids, you know, we have dragged them literally around the world with uh, Chris's military career, and that's hard sometimes. Um, that's hard for them to have roots and, you know, kind of feel like they have a home sometimes. You know, like, they, you know, this is like, this is the longest we've been someplace in the last, well, 15 years. So, um, you know, I'm grateful for that, but also grateful that they got to see a lot of the world and um, a lot of experiences through that and, and worship in different parts of the world and, um, and everything. But uh, we loved our time in D.C., <laughs> for sure. So anyway, if you want to chat about dancing and singing as we tithe, I'm happy. Let's do that. <laughs> Um, so I, just by sheer coincidence, I happened to be uh, sitting next to a uh, fellow over here who, uh, so about 18 years ago, John, you, you taught me how to be a police officer. And so uh, learning how to be a police officer, well, it's a lot more than that. John taught me a profession that allows me to provide uh, for my family. And uh, during that time, you probably remember this, John. I can't remember if we've talked about it since. John asked me, um, uh, you know, are, are you a believer? And I remember giving him a very wishy-washy confused answer of a lifestyle Christian who went to church on uh, Easter's and, uh, and Christmases. Well, cut to a little bit uh, uh, later, I end up meeting a, a beautiful uh, young woman who is very much not a confused, wishy-washy uh, lifestyle Christian. <laughs> so, so now here we are, and uh, I've had a lot of uh, time to sit around and think uh, with uh, being laid up uh, with an injury, and I I, I've, throughout all that thinking, I've came to a lot of conclusions that I, I, I get married to this beautiful young woman and there's the honeymoon phase. And I figured out that there's this other phase that doesn't have a name where you watch your wife, uh, give, you, you watch your wife give birth, watch her endure that, you watch her, uh, sacrifice herself on a daily basis over and over and over again to go meet the emotional needs and physical needs of young ones. And you end up seeing, um, what your marriage has given you, you end up seeing her give you a family, um, which is which is of course your 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 legacy. Going through the death of my brother, 
at the end, uh, nothing mattered to him except for his girls and for his wife. There was no piece of property that he uh, possessed that had any value to him whatsoever. And what gave him that? Well, his his marriage as well. So, you know, there's not a name for this, but I entered a, a second phase of my marriage where I came to understand my wife's strength and appreciate her. And then, of course, now, you know, I'm, I'm almost totally useless. I did manage to cook dinner a couple nights ago, for the record, on one leg. And I've watched my wife uh, proceed to take care of our children, take care of me. Father-in-law had a, a very terrible accident, and she takes uh, care of him. Um, my brother's three girls, they look up to Aunt Brooke like you would not believe, and we're heading up there uh, after church. So she basically plays the role of super aunt and, and super wife, and and super daughter, and super uh, mom. So somehow I've managed to stumble into entering this uh, this next phase <laughs> of uh, understanding uh, how important and how valuable uh, my marriage is. So as far as giving thanks, first I want to give thanks to some of the strong Christian male leaders that have been in my life, and that includes uh, John over here, it includes you, Gunner, but way more importantly than you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give thanks for the gift that I've been given by God in the form of my marriage uh, to Brooke. I don't know how I am going to follow that. Um, I'm, just, I'm just very thankful for um, my husband, my family healing, and my church family. Um, everyone in here has played some form of a role in the last three months. Um, thank you. And when we thought that my dad could possibly be having a heart attack. On Friday, the ambulance wasn't even there before Nikki was texting me, Julie was texting me, everyone was texting, you texted me. It was incredible, and I just, I can't thank everyone enough for their support and just every everyone. I will try to keep it short with that. <laughs> well, since we're making this a family affair... <laughs> I want to thank all of you who've helped. I'm very thankful for you helping Brooke. I made an 8,400-mile trip from here to Chicago to New York to Miami and back. I came back on September 25th to see them and my grandchildren. And 30 minutes later, I was in an ambulance because I tripped, crushed this side against rocks, broke a shoulder blade, collarbone, and punctured a lung. And so I have been in some kind of pain I want to thank you. <laughs> thank you for helping them to help me. My belly's telling me it's noon. <laughs> so so let's let's pray. Uh, Father, we do give you thanks. Lord, we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your faithfulness. Father, we thank you for the gift of our relationship with you through Christ's blood that was shed on the cross. Father, we thank you for your great, amazing grace. Father, we thank you uh, for our families. We thank you for our church family, that for many of us, this, this is the healthiest family that we have. And Rachel laughing, and I'm laughing with you. <laughs> thank you for Rachel. Uh, thank you for the just the the kinship there, and and Lord, we um, we just we just praise you, Lord. We thank you for the the gift of 
of singing and music and how it, it seems to uh, tap into something within us that connects us to you in an intimate way. And so, Father, we pray that as we uh, end by singing a song, we pray that you would just help us to, to really sing to you, to worship you with all that we have. And it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen.